Welcome to episode 92 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Newman, and in this episode, Holly and I start by chatting about her very brilliant mug. So it's all very standard, really. Honestly, we go on about it for ages. So if you want informed running chat, you have definitely come to the wrong place. There is a bit of running, I promise, but I'm afraid we then quickly disappear into a little Eurovision love fest. But then we have a very special guest, the brilliant Dr. Juliette McGratton, who is a runner and a doctor. Two good things in one. I wanted to talk to her specifically about the perimenopause and HRT and running because I've been bitten by the Davina bug. I wanted to involve Holly this time because I wish I'd had this sort of information when I was in my 20s. It's so important for us to educate our younger girls and women about the menopause in just the same way as we do periods and pregnancy. So we have a lovely in-depth conversation about symptoms, about running and managing those symptoms, and we talk about HRT, of which I feel very much in the dark, and I really wanted to find out more about what it can offer my perimenopausal self. We also talk about what's great about the menopause, because it's important to acknowledge that while many of us will have struggles, there are a whole bunch of upsides, which Juliet details and which I, for one, intend to embrace wholeheartedly. Holly and I come back after our Menno chat to discuss really important things such as hugely embarrassing moments and whether or not I should do a track half marathon. What do you think? But more importantly, we have a belter of an embarrassing running story, one that involves a children's game and A&E. Listen up. If you like this podcast, you will love Women's Running Magazine. Right now, you can read each issue every month right on your phone for just $2.99 a month. That gives you instant access no matter where you are, and you can access and search over 100 back issues too. Just go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and use the code WRSPR22POD at the checkout. Uh, yeah, what's on your mug, Holly? Okay, for the listener, I'm drinking out of a mug currently that says, <laughs> laugh often, love much, live well. <laughs> <laughs> and it, so I've tried so hard to get this mug out of my life. Someone gave it to me. And I, I mean, I do apologize if this person's listening, but I really don't think that they would even remember who I am at this point. It was a friend from like primary school age. Um. And it was in my childhood bedroom. And even as a sort of like, however old I was, like 11 or 12, I was like, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And it came in a box that also says live well, laugh often, whatever it says. And, uh, and I don't know what's happened to the box, but I hid it for many, many years, like in that box, like at the back of a wardrobe, like, oh, thank you so much. Never going to use that mug. Never going to introduce that mug into my family's mug circulation. Um, and, um, then my mum, then we, then we moved house and I think I was there for this. If my mum was listening, then I hope she is because I've still got beef with her about this. We were moving house <laughs> and and the mug somehow was not thrown away at this point. The oh. mug came to their new house. I purposefully was sorting through all of my stuff because this was around the same time. I think I was kind of, you know, I don't, I don't have a bedroom in their house anymore. And I was 
you know, have my own flat and stuff. So I was kind of getting rid of any last bits of my gubbins from my parents' house and um, saw that mug and was like, nope, I'm claiming absolutely (laughs) no ownership of this mug. I have nothing to do with it. I'm pretending it's not part of my stuff. Then a couple of months later, my mum was bringing round like a uh, doing a very kind thing I think I think she was dropping off like a TV stand or a bookshelf or some furniture for our flat and she came upstairs with a box of stuff um, you know some like Harry Potter books and bits and bobs that she yeah. found that that did belong to me that were still floating around their house and guess what was in the bottom of the box the fucking mug and the mug has followed me from house to house despite never wanting it and i said to her i don't like this mug that's why i didn't haven't brought it to live with me in any of my adult homes i don't know why we still have it i should have thrown it away years ago i just felt a little bit bad for natalie hayes who gave it to me Um. and so i yeah i was i was a bit cross about it and she went oh well i just i thought i'd bring it anyway so that you can take it to a charity shop Oh, what a uh. move. What a sneaky move. <laughs> she couldn't be asked to get rid of the mug. And so I had to. And I hope she's listening and that she knows that I knew her game there. But now she knows that you are actually finding but now said here mug I very am useful. drinking out of the bloody mug. And so I, yeah. I actually think the lady doth protest too much. I think yeah, you, you know what? Next to your poster that says dance like no one's watching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that just says blessed and thankful yeah (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what i will to give the love often laugh much fucking live well (laughs) mug it's jews look at it's quite a bucket for the listener yeah it's a good it's It's, a good vessel yeah it's a good vessel so when i want a big fat tea it is it is quite it is probably my take a sharpie to it and kind of yeah i could have you noticed yeah i do strategically in meetings and i I turn it the other way so no one can see what it says (laughs) it's better than i've got a couple of mugs that are quite rude that i have to yeah. Um, turn the other way sometimes have you've got a couple that are quite rude i've got a couple of i've got a really good one i've got one that i gave dave which said <laughs> <laughs> which said are you childish and it had two tick boxes and one says yes and the other one says no but in the box next to the word no um someone has written a b so it says knob <laughs> <laughs> i love that very much I like we laughed much. about that uh, for a long time when that <laughs> happened yeah <laughs> But of course, neither of us use it. And also, it's a rubbish shape. It's too small. So, oh, yeah. yeah I've kind shame. of got that with my funny ones as well. They're fine. They're an evening tea. Very occasionally, <laughs> I might have a cup of tea before I go to bed. If yeah. It's probably actually what happens is it's when I would probably quite like a glass of wine. But yeah, I yeah. think, holes, it's a Tuesday. You can't have a third <laughs> huge glass of Sauvignon Blanc and have a tea. So I'll have a tea. And sometimes I have an evening tea and I might use those small mugs for that. But I've got a one that says, it just plainly says, get me some fucking tea. And I love it. And that one, often I'll find that Doug has brought me that one or something while I'm in the middle of a meeting. And uh, strategically turn it round or, or sort of put my big old sausage fingers over the top of it (laughs) (laughs) so no one can see my rude mug to be honest maybe no one would care i would do it with you i got what yeah good so you should but i Mm. i wonder is should there um i like i some years ago i tried to make i tried to make sort of changes to my interior decor and 
bits and pieces in my kitchen and stuff. And I and I I've always liked the idea of being that person. Oh, me too. That I'm has so not matching her. matching mugs and yeah. you know, I'm I'm not her. I have such bad <laughs> bad mugs downstairs, and not only that, they get added to by Dave in a really alarming way. Like he he has added to it with like the Ford Cortina mug. Which isn't anywhere near as cool as that might actually sound. It and does also, sound quite cool, doesn't it? Not cool. Mm, not and, cool. And also the Sports Direct mug, which is definitely as uncool. The Sports Direct as, mug is yeah. uncool, but it is iconic in <laughs> British culture. I think it's so massive if for any you, international listeners. <laughs> I haven't got one here, but I'm pretty sure we've got one at home. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's amazing! It's you huge. can, you can, That's about three cup of teas in there. But yeah, we have to. We hide it away, but it keeps on. Sports <laughs> right, but it keeps on coming out for for omelette making. Oh, <laughs> is it, it the perfect place to mix perfect, your eggs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bloody sports direct mug honestly and i have to ferret away again and like hide oh, it i do know exactly what it. you mean it is not it's not a classy mug is it it's, it's in not fact <laughs> when i see that mug i always think how much i'd like to pour a, a tinny into it and drink it out of there that's yes, what i think right? about that mug right that's yeah. exactly what it is yeah i'd probably yeah. want to have a have a sort of cold Cronenberg out of yeah, that mug I, I, rather than I, a tea. Yeah, I put it to you that actually of the vast, the vast majority of Sports Direct mugs, which apparently there are going to be legion, they, yeah. they are mostly filled with horrible warm beer rather oh, than yeah. tea. Right yeah, on a summer's okay, day when you've run out in your student flat when you've run out of run out of any of, kind of, of glasses. Yeah, glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please write in if you've got a Sports Direct mug and tell us what you use it for. <laughs> Or would anyone like one? Because I've got one going. <laughs> oh, we could we could do it as a competition. Oh Who, my god! If you would like to win any of the vile mugs discussed in the last <laughs> in the last ten minutes, yeah. Oh, do say yeah. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. You can you can have my Sports Direct mug with its mm. tea stains intact. Um, running hole. Let's talk about running. Let's because, go. Um, and and I want to talk about it. Uh, quickly because we've got Juliet coming up in um, in a mo where yeah. we've just been talking to her um, about menopause and HRT um, and all things that are useful for us as women runners to know about. It so, was absolutely fascinating as well. I loved that conversation. We have quite literally in in you know the scale of time that actually exists which often we have to ignore when we're recording podcasts (laughs) we have actually just been talking to Juliet and I'm still I'm still buzzing because it was so lovely agog and it's lovely to have a Mm. doctor on call to just sort of go yeah but what about me what about me what about my things so um yeah it's great isn't it I did have one moment that I don't think we included in the I think this was after we'd stopped recording where I basically was like Hello, as a hypochondriac, here are all of my <laughs> symptoms that I'm suffering right now from. And could you just reassure me? Not actually give me any real medical advice. I'd just like your reassurance solely, please. <laughs> yeah, <that is. laughs> oh, God, wouldn't we all love to have a GP in the family? But that would <gasps> my mum's most... best friend is a GP, actually. And, oh, really? and it is. Oh, she's, I don't think she's a GP, but she's a doctor. She's, I think she's maybe an oncologist. I would be told yeah. off for not knowing this properly dr nikki i think i've talked about dr nikki you on have the podcast about before. Dr. Nikki, and yeah. having dr nikki is bloody great because and i think i said this last time and please nobody try this at home unless you've got your own dr nikki yeah. but being able to actually say you know 
what happens if I have taken multiple pyroton today and you're only supposed to take one yeah and have somebody who knows knows what that's actually doing to your body or we've found it really useful with mental health stuff that if you go you know I've got this weird anxiety where I can't stop focusing on my breathing cough cough and I'm slowly going mad cough cough then she will be like oh you know I know this woman and she's great and yeah so Dr Nikki Dr Nikki it's it's a dream it's a dream and I I think Juliet we could potentially adopt as our own Dr Nikki in the women's running family she is she's our Dr Juliet like like I was thinking about this week because um so Ted presented like uh, a couple of days ago or it was well no it's a bit longer than that with what looked like either a rash or um, some bites or something on his ears, and mm-hmm. um, and honestly, it took about twenty four hours of this to be to be like to be noticed for for Dave to say to me, "Should we take him to the doctor?" And I was like, "Nah." And I put mm-hmm. some sort of um, I put like a an antihistamine cream on it because I thought it was more of a bitey thing. It looked like, and we were saying, "Oh, when he was away on his residential, maybe the pillows had something on maybe them. the seagulls." swoop down <laughs> maybe it's one of those <laughs> dratted seagulls that seem to plague holly's life one of those things um he only complained about them being itchy um but it took two days for me to to actually realize that what's happened is that yeah. he has he was wearing a cap outside in the sunshine not a hat and he's got himself burnt and blistered oh on the tip of his ears oh, yeah oh. yeah but he he was almost taken to the doctor and what we need in that instance is is a Dr. Juliet to go, Adore. yeah, a hundred percent. That was, to be honest, maybe Dr. Juliet was going, duh, at us quite a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, but I think so, yeah. It was great to have, have sort of menopause for dummies covered. Yeah. And from Esther's perspective, from being somebody who's going through perimenopause, from yeah. my perspective, from being somebody who knows almost nothing about menopause at all, yeah. it was just a very eye-opening and clever conversation yeah and i like it's just oh she's so good she's so good and i think like every time that i talk about the menopause with anyone on the podcast i learn something new because Mm. there's so much to learn about it and it's kind of and it's lovely to hear from her well we'll get into it in a bit anyway but it's lovely to hear from her that you know the symptoms are so huge Mm. um so obviously there can be confusion about what it is that you are experiencing so i think yeah all of that is kind of anyway so so we're going to go in in a few minutes we're going to talk about uh hrt menopause all, all the stuff all the yeah. stuff um yeah so uh so and how to we... know whether you are going through menopause or just having an anxiety attack or both <laughs> or both or both which or is, both. Yeah, which is yeah. very possible as well happy happy women's lives um <laughs> But anyway, uh, before we do that, let's just have a little chat about our running. Hull, what have you been doing? How's your running going? Yeah, it's been going fine. Have you noticed I look quite sporty today? You do look very sporty I know, I'm just about to go for a run now. Wow, (gasps) blimey. Because I have been quite lax over the last little while, because we had a... I went on holiday. She went on holiday. I haven't told the listener. I went on holiday to North Devon over the weekend. It was so gorgeous. And we were there from Thursday to Sunday. And I did bring running stuff. um, And I did bring yoga stuff. And I had all of the intentions in the world. But Uh. 
I just ended up being like, you know what? I just want to be able to have all the beers and get, have a late morning and enjoy having a complete flop. So I did just have time off and it was really, really nice. Uh, I'm actually feeling quite good for it. I think I don't feel the sort of like nasty guilt, I think, because I was getting quite burnt out. And I think, um, yeah, when I get tired, I get stressed with work. I get Mm. quite worried about my health. And actually sometimes remembering to just take a little bit of time to remember that my purpose on earth, it does not exist to live, you know, I don't exist to be a perfect pinnacle of, of health all the time. And I no. can just relax and, and, and do what I want to do and what my body feels like doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really nice to just do that for a few days, but I'm coming back and I'm feeling <laughs> quite motivated now and like I want to get back into doing a little bit of running so I'm ready to go after this podcast but she I've just is, been tootling around that's me I've been tootling as as usual at the moment because yeah. oh though we do need to discuss this yeah uh, because uh very very soon I will be having a little bit more to do than tootling um, um and just kind of upkeeping um because I have signed up, I have signed up now to um, do a marathon. But okay, before we all lose our shit, to do a virtual <laughs> marathon with the Conqueror Challenges, where I talked about this a while ago, where I get a huge medal at the end that says I've run the Athens Marathon. And yeah. nobody knows apart from me that it was virtual over the course of a couple of weeks. Oh. So, and now, of course, all of you know. Uh, <laughs> so please don't tell anyone if you see me on Instagram with a huge medal saying I've I've run the Athens Marathon. <sighs> don't tell anyone that actually it's just going to be me with my GPS watch over the course of a couple of weeks for the oh. sake of the medal. Well, so, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm really excited about it. I think that will just give me a little bit of a push because yep. I haven't been particularly, I have been running, which has been nice. Uh, mm. Whereas, you know, I have had previous times where without a goal, the running has rather dissipated. Yeah. Um, but I'm not particularly like, I don't, I don't feel particularly motivated to do kind of long distances at the moment or to, uh-huh. because I haven't really got like a challenge because everything that Esther and I signed up for has been bloody cancelled. So, That's true. um, yeah. So I think, um, I have got half marathon still coming up in October and I'm yep. gently starting to think about the fact that in August, I probably need to start kicking into gear with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But for the moment, I'm just going to do a nice little challenge of totting up my miles till I can feel rather smug about reaching 26.2. Oh, that's good. Oh, I've got news for you though, actually on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've commissioned a piece. This is for the magazine. Um, mm. uh, so uh, Laura Fountain does our training plans in the magazine. And I just spoke to her this morning because I've asked her to create a half marathon training plan for our August issue. So that'll be just in time for you. Um, oh, perfect. Uh, oh, the yeah, perks, yeah. the perks. <laughs> oh, absolutely, the perks. So you'll get that straight away. But um, I've asked her to create it in a very kind of feel-good kind of way. I don't want it to be kind of goal driven aside from finishing the half marathon. So yeah. I want it to be really easy to understand. So it's going to be in distant uh 
no, let me think about this. It's going to be in time rather than distance. So, you know, running for, for a certain amount of minutes kind of thing. Um, and it's going to be very, very simple with some really simple kind of cross training, like hiking, like yeah. you know, all those sorts of things rather than rather than concentrating on things like um, uh, intervals, which I actually think can be quite complicated to understand in training plans. Um, so, oh, yeah, for so sure. That's one of the one of the, you know, regular questions that we get asked on yeah. um, our training plans that are on the website. And please do you'll now find some more information that Esther and I commissioned because people kept asking and we were kind of going I'm not really really sure Um, from Laura who does know what she's talking about there is some information on our site about how to decipher training plans because I think when you are faced with kind of interval stuff and you go oh my what does eight minutes at 5km pace, pace. Yeah, yeah. yeah like what on earth am I uh, does that mean yeah. for me so um we have got a bit it's more really info tricky. on that yeah so this is yeah. about running a happy half marathon so it's kind of doing the job I think and, and also it's a, a training plan you can adapt so if you do want to push for a time or whatever then you you you, you there should be some kind of indications there on, on how you can adapt it to your to, to to your life and, and what yeah. you want to achieve so anyway I will send that on to you because that's going to be brilliant um but uh that sounds like my, my kind of thing a happy half marathon plan. yeah I think yeah should we call um, it that in the mag I think it is going to be called the happy half is marathon it? In the mag. I yeah. love it I know I know so um I'm really excited about that um yeah, my running. Tell me about yours. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Rude silence from me then. Rude, I just <laughs> delivered my, my piece me, and then... Me, all about me. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, uh, do I have much to report? Um, I, I'm kind of, I'm carrying on with the plod. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to, um, oh, you know, I did that kind of that bath beat thing uh, a month or so ago. <laughs> I decided, Ultra Runner Supreme. That's me. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't gone on about it or anything. Um, no. I decided to run a section of it at the oh, weekend. Oh, lovely! Yeah, it was really nice. It, it was it was lovely. Um, however, it was interesting because I was it, basically I was heading out for what I I was hoping was going to be a nine or a ten mile run. And when you're a road runner, you can quite easily turn around to your family for instance and say I will be doing this length of run it will take me this much time um mm-hmm. which, so I'm so used to doing that I'm so used to running on pavement boring old pavements the same boring old route and I've in my head I know my five six seven eight nine ten mm-hmm. beyond routes I know them all I know where the mile markers are and so I can what I would normally say and this is what I did say at the weekend was I said to Dave as I left Going on this run, I'll be about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Um, but of course, I was then going on trails. Yeah. So I had, I didn't realize, uh, well, A, it was 11 miles by mistake. And B, it, it was lots of elevation. So mm-hmm. I ended up walking uphill because it was like almost vertical. Anyway, it added another half hour onto the run. Yeah. So was that kind of. He was fine because he was oh, watching the good. he was watching the Eurovision results with the kids. So was, <gasps> oh my gosh, we haven't oh spoken about God. that. No, we have not. Uh, how amazing! And I'd forgotten how much the kids love Eurovision. Oh, do they? I'm year. so and, oh, glad you're a Eurovision family. We're a huge Eurovision, Eurovision family. Love it, yeah. love it. And I like it when they show all the highlights from the past twenty years. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love. I did that. a little bit of weeping at Eurovision this year. 
did you? You surprised me. I wept at the beginning <laughs> bit. Doug and I both had little silent Aww. tears when oh. it, at the opening bit where they were saying, give peace a chance. We got a little bit on, on yeah. the old heartstrings. Yeah. I didn't weep over, you know, like Azerbaijan's entry or anything. No, I, I, it, no. it, yeah, it was more political than, than, yeah. uh, than melodically motivated my cry. Yeah. Oh, but but yeah, I thought no, we I'm... were amazing amazing it was so exciting because i didn't realize until the day that um that slightly unaware of what was going on with eurovision this year and usually we have a bit of a party i think you know my family absolutely love it doug's family love it our friends all love it so whoever's about will have a big old you know makeup i suppose this year maybe we would have done a sort of uh, spag bowl and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know everybody worn a, a moustache. Don't know what do Italians wear? <laughs> and um, and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, um, but we didn't. Obviously, we were away this year, so we just watched bits of it on YouTube. Um, and um, wasn't really aware of what was going on. But the day of, Doug was like, "Oh, I follow this guy." On TikTok, Doug has recently got TikTok. Oh, good and for he's Doug. Obsessed. He, he's do, so he makes modern. little videos of himself doing videos and stuff. Oh. Do you follow Doug? Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> he um, he was saying he follows this bloke, and he was like, he keeps talking about Eurovision. Um, oh. and and I was like, well, what's his name? And we looked looked him up and realised he was the guy who was our entry. And Doug yeah. was so excited. He was like, he's got a cracking pair of pipes on him. And we couldn't <laughs> wait to see him. And then we suddenly realised that our odds were actually quite good. Um, it, it was just all very exciting in a short space of time. Because then we tuned yeah. in and went, oh, my God, and we're winning. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And, of course, oh, we'd forgotten... It the jury votes come first and then yeah, your yeah, yeah. heart is always broken by the public yes, votes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such yeah. a new and scary, horrible thing yeah. that they've brought in. But, but yeah, not I, this year. I, I felt this year there was, I had no, some, there was, I made, this it, year was, it, it was just lovely. It was perfect. All of it was perfect. Yeah. But I had, um, I went for a run yesterday with a friend, which again was a lovely trail number and it was mm. a slightly unexpected uh, run because I sort of said, oh, because she she started talking about a route that she normally takes. This has this has got re- relevance, I promise. No, no, but no, I'm she, interested. Uh, she was talking about a route she normally takes, and I was like, oh, just let's go that way then. Um, so we did, and it was just it was glorious. It was really lovely. Um, and halfway round, we we both had a good five minutes of talking about our our combined love of Sam Ryder. Um, and I said, Sam Ryder, I, that was his name. I, oh, I, guilt, I, love I him. guiltily fessed up that the previous evening I had spent forty minutes on his Instagram account just watching him sing various different covers. Yes, this is what Doug does. <laughs> he loves him. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so I sort of said, Oh, I, yeah, I feel really bad because I did this. And she said, I did the same thing. We and were so we all were doing both, it. We were going, God, he's good at Queen, isn't he? He's really good. He can do a Freddie Mercury, like you wouldn't believe. But he yeah. can also do like he can do Alicia Keys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and didn't you love his costume? He's got a bit of the Bowies oh, about him, hasn't he? Yes. Oh. We love oh, him. We love okay. that writer. Official stance is that we love him on this <laughs> we podcast. We <totally> do. <laughs> Oh, I feel a bit filthy. I mean, I just don't, like, I don't, I don't feel like forty-eight-year-old women should be confessing their love for. I mean, he must be. I mean, how old is he? I don't know. I would guess far, thirty, far younger two. than me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't fancy him. I just love him. 
Yeah, I'm, that's okay. I'm, you can have agape love for him. What's that? Oh, did you not learn? Maybe this was going to a Christian school. Agape love. Oh, I'm going to yeah. get this wrong now. I think that's like the love you have when you sort of like for a family member or uh, when you have a deep love for someone, but it's not romantic at all. Is it the same as platonic? Yeah. I don't know why What's it's called agape. Ag- Agape <gasps> love. Sorry, Vish. Yeah, sure. You could have to look, look it up. up. Look why it up? have right. I said? Why have I said this? And have I made it up? Agape I love. Made it up. What is that? Agape well. love. <gasps> right. In Christianity, agape oh. from ancient Greek agape oh. is unconditional love, the highest form of love. Oh, there you go. So if you have agape high- love for Sam Ryder, it's the highest, the highest form, form of, love. of love. I think Dave might have something to say about that. Oh, it's the love that God has for man and man for God. Oh, no, I think it's similar. Yeah. 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 A bit like that. (laughs) (laughs) We have launched ourselves onto Patreon as we need your help to keep going. Please support us with whatever you can and you'll get some lovely patron-only perks. You can support us from as little as £2 a month. And every patron helps us continue to produce a podcast that has at least 10% running content in it every episode. Please go to patreon.com forward slash women's running to join our gang. Actually, Holly and I were talking about that the other week, just saying that I am documenting my perimenopause quite <laughs> on the pod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I you have, can have my some period, to be fair, as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can have my perimenopause today as well so <laughs> yay hurrah um juliet thank you so much for coming on and talking to us last minute about menopause and all things perimenopause and all those sorts of things um we were desperate to talk to you because of everything that's happened in the last well month or so in terms of hrt shortages um but just generally i think about menopause we know that there's lots of misinformation about it and I thought it's really important this time because the last time I spoke to you about hormones and, and whatnot, it was just me and you. And I thought it's really important to get Holly on mm-hmm. because, um, and I, I know this won't be the, true of Holly, but it was certainly true of me at Holly's age. I didn't even know when I ovulated. I didn't know really what menopause was. I didn't know anything apart from. Oh, it's definitely true of me. I don't, I'm, I'm not very clued up on any of that stuff. I think because I ha- I haven't been able to kind of track my period for such a long time because I was on contraception that meant that I wasn't having periods that I I still think I'm I don't really know understand my cycle very much and I definitely don't know very much about menopause and what's going to happen to me yeah and that, and that, that makes me so cross that we you know we're taught so much about periods and we're taught so much about how to how to not get pregnant like when we're at school but we're not really taught like I remember when I was trying to conceive and I remember thinking, hang on a minute, I don't remember any of this being a talk about because they really, really desperately in Southeast London don't want you to conceive. So there's quite a lot of, <laughs> there's no kind of discussion about how to get pregnant. So I literally had no idea how to get, I mean, apart from the obvious, I didn't realise <laughs> that there were part, you know, I didn't realise that there was like bits of the month. Esther that, was here thinking it was supposed to be going in the belly button. Yeah. But, <laughs> And, and if I stood up, it wasn't going to happen, right? So, 
um yeah so all that I just I just didn't have a clue and and so you're not taught well maybe that's changed but I wasn't taught how to to get pregnant and I certainly wasn't taught anything about the menopause so I think Mm. the more stuff we can get out there the more information we can give women uh particularly lovely women runners um the better basically so so Juliet we've got you here to talk about menopause I hope that's Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I think, I think you're you're right. And even as a doctor, my education on it was very, very limited as well, which is, I think, part of the problem now. Mm. But I agree, the more you learn about your body, the more you understand it, then the better able you are to make choices about how you want to, to deal with things and what options are available to you. So I think, yeah, let, let's, let's talk about it as much as we can. And yeah. I think just, it's kind of empowering, isn't it? You, you, but also I think the other thing with it is that it's very much up to now been portrayed as something to totally dread. And to yeah. be scared of, and the images are all of women yeah. scarlet with flat fans, you know, fanning their faces, and any any depiction of the menopause has always been pretty gruesome. So that just mm. makes women tr- feel awful about it. I think before you even begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've and mm. I've got some questions for you because I maybe a little bit later on because there are stuff that I really I still well, obviously there's loads of stuff I don't understand about it, but there are things that have prevented me from taking certain actions anyway we'll get to that in a little bit but but like (laughs) would it be possible to kind of um to briefly just sort of go through roughly what the menopause is for holly's generation Mm. i'd say yeah that would be really helpful yeah (laughs) yes so when we talk about the menopause actually the menopause itself is a moment in time Anything before that is the pre-menopause and anything after that is the post-menopause. So the menopause really is kind of like a line in time. So when you're younger and you're having periods, you release an egg every month. If that's not fertilized, then you have a period and so forth and so forth. After a certain amount of time, and this varies between women, the ovaries stop releasing eggs so routinely, so regularly. And the hormonal changes that go in the body and eventually the periods stop. Now, when your periods have stopped for a year and you haven't had a period for 12 months, that is the point of the menopause. And beyond that is the postmenopause. And I think when we talk about menopause, actually, a lot of the time what we're talking about is the perimenopause. And the perimenopause is any time really when you start to notice changes in your body leading up to the point when you haven't had a period for 12 months Mm. and that you reach that actual menopause. So I think our language, and I count myself in that, is often not quite correct. And often we actually mean the perimenopause rather than necessarily the menopause and that that time when your periods have ceased for for 12 months. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So how how long might the perimenopause be or is it complete (laughs) completely vary? Very, very good question. Actually, you can get symptoms from for about seven years, possibly even 10 years before the menopause. So, And this is where we get caught out because the average age for the menopause in the UK is 51. Now, you mm-hmm. imagine if you can get symptoms for up to 10 years before that, that's 41. And this is most women aren't thinking about the perimenopause or the menopause <laughs> no. when they're in their early 40s. They think it's something they cope with when they get to around 50. And don't forget as well, you know, we tend to focus on that 51 being the average age, but there are women who experience it much younger, women who get it, who have the menopause 
at 45, that's an early menopause. But if it's before 40, it's premature menopause. So, you know, that there is a big variation. So symptoms come a lot earlier than we think. And I think that's often why we don't contribute them to the, the, the perimenopause because we just haven't really thought about it. So uh, let's talk about the symptoms because this is another, this is another thing that that a lot of these symptoms can be kind of laughed off, can't they? Because it, particularly in the press and, you know, wherever, but, but we can laugh off something like, for instance, a hot flush, which is, um, one of the most well-known symptoms of perimenopause. Um, but it's no laughing matter, is it? I mean, I've been with friends who have been crippled by embarrassment, particularly in the workplace about having quite visible hot flushes. Um, and at the moment, I I don't have these during the daytime, but I have night sweats. Is that is that the same thing, but just at night? It's it's similar, yes, because it, it's to do with your vasomotor system. It's like your autonomic mm. nervous system that you you can't really control, but it, it can produce those flushes, those sweats, and and it's very similar, yeah, to have a night sweat and, and a hot flush. And so, like. What I was thinking about, because so when I when I do that when I do that overnight, at the moment that doesn't really affect my sleep, but you know I'm sure it will at some point. I just wake up in a puddle in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I did wonder, um, particularly if we're talking about running, if that symptom is something that we need to be aware of in terms of hydration and salt loss and all that sort of stuff. Because I mean, I am a I am a a, a, a good sweater. And, and overnight at the moment, I am, it's horrible. It's ridiculous. It's just waking up drenched kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do women need to be worried about taking on board more water, more salt? Absolutely. Yes. If you're, if you're sweating, whatever the cause, whether you're sweating because you're exercising or you're sweating because you're having a menopausal sweat, mm-hmm. then yes, you can, you can actually be a little bit dehydrated. And the other thing that can sometimes happen is that you don't often always feel as thirsty with, with perimenopause. Oh. So if you combine those two things together, you could be potentially be a little bit dehydrated. And that could have a knock-on effect to to your running as well. Mm. Tally that along with the fact it's often a time when you might start to get some bladder weakness and not want to drink very much. And yeah, you could really be a little bit on the dry side. So good idea to make sure that you have a, a good drink in the morning and, and before you exercise as well to make sure that if you're having a lot of sweats and flushes that you're not always a little bit dehydrated. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing, one thing we, well, we really wanted to talk about was, was bleeding because like when you mm-hmm. go into the perimenopause, you don't, right. And this is a complete news to me. Um, I thought you'd head into the perimenopause and your periods would gently slip away <laughs> and that they would just get lighter and lighter and disappear altogether. And that is not case i think i think it it might be the case for some people but it's certainly not been the case for Mm. me um and in fact mine my periods have uh started to go slightly all over the place in terms of uh cycle um so sometimes i'm 23 sometimes i'm 28 sometimes i'm 33 so that kind of thing um and they are heavy and i thought that they were heavy as a result of my second pregnancy because i was quite late having a baby so um i was oh god how old was i when i had felix 40 40 um i might have even been 41 i think i was 41 um and so i and my periods had always been really really heavy since having felix and so now i've mm-hmm. so for a while i thought oh it's that but i wonder if actually <laughs> uh that was a result of perimenopause um but one but i wanted to talk about it because we'd we'd had an email from 
um, a listener who was interested in in a discussion about how to cope with heavy and unexpected bleeding as a mm-hmm. runner. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that's something that, that you have experience yeah. of. I think this is a good example of the amount of variation there is between women. For some people, they hardly experience the menopause. And like you say, the periods just gradually sort of trickle up and maybe they have the occasional flush and that's it. And then Mm. there are other women who lose their jobs because they can't stand up and give a PowerPoint presentation without having a massive flush. And they Mm. experience really, really heavy bleeding, which which can stop them going to work or certainly stop them wanting to exercise. One of the reasons for that is, I don't know if you remember back to when periods first started, the menarche, but often girls at that time have quite heavy and irregular periods. And those are called anovulatory cycles. So a cycle without ovulation. The yeah. ovaries are kind of warming up, but they haven't really got into that pattern of releasing an egg every month. And you get these kind of irregular, often heavy periods and that's the same thing prior to the actual menopause itself during that time they you can get anovulatory cycles so they're not linked to that ovulatory um, occurrence every month so they can be a bit haphazard they can be a bit all over the place and they can often be quite a lot heavier as well and as a runner that can be really inconvenient because you can't you can't plan <laughs> mm. you, you know you, you book a race and then suddenly maybe during the race even you you suddenly got heavy, heavy bleeding. Um, I think it's important just to put a little kind of red flag warning in at this point. If you are experiencing significant changes in your periods to becoming much heavier, to becoming much more painful, to just things which aren't really like you're expecting, or you've had what you think is the menopause and you've gone for 12 months without a bleed and then you get bleeding, please mm. see your doctor. Don't always just assume that these things are as they are um, mm. because occasionally, especially that bleeding after the menopause, that's really, really important potential warning of uh, thickening of the lining of the womb with like uh, an endometrial cancer or something like that. So I just wanted to put that in before we go sort of more general. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how to deal with it is 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 very difficult. It depends very much on how whether you want to involve hormones or not. Because one of the very good ways to control heavy periods and irregular periods is by using hormones. Now, Mm. many women don't want to do that, and that's fine, in which case we go for more practical ways to reduce bleeding. Simple things, obviously, you know, you've got to look after your sanitary wear and your period pads and your tampons, and you've got um, these uh, pants now that absorb blood, which give you an extra kind of protection if if you're worried about suddenly leaking. But you can also look at medications that you can use which aren't hormonal, which can reduce bleeding. Sometimes actually using some of the anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen can sometimes reduce your bleeding a little bit. Again, Mm. check with the pharmacist, make sure there's not a reason why you can't have it. But there are other tablets you can get from your doctor, which help reduce the amount of bleeding you've got actually just taking it while you've got your period. So if you don't want to involve hormones, there are still some things that you that you can do. Mm. uh, Yeah, sorry, I was just going to ask about hormones, because I don't know anything about this. And yeah what what's the kind of ho- hormone replacement therapy for dummies sure <laughs> <laughs> um, well if you think about what's actually happening it, it, around the perimenopause your 
main hormones that we're looking at really are estrogen and progesterone and there are female hormones and the bulk of those is produced in the ovaries so as your ovarian function reduces then you get less estrogen and less progesterone floating around in your bloodstream and it's this the reduction of those hormones and i'm going to include testosterone in that as well we think of it as a male hormone but it's not it's a female hormone too and our ovaries produce it so as our ovarian function declines testosterone as well as estrogen and progesterone all reduce and it's the effect of that reduction on our body directly but also the effect that those hormones have on our other bodily systems and our other hormones and happy chemicals in our brain and the way those hormones interact with every other part of our body that gives us this massive range of symptoms. So when we're talking about hormone replacement, we're literally talking about giving you back what is naturally reducing, topping up the estrogen, topping up the progesterone. The testosterone is a little bit more controversial, maybe talk about that later. So Mm -hmm. HRT really is exactly what it says, replacing the hormones that you are naturally have had and giving them back to you in some form. And there's lots of mm-hmm. ways that you can get those. Now, some women don't ever use HRT because the main reason for using it would be to control your symptoms. So if you're not having a lot of symptoms, then you may feel there's no there's no need for you to, to use any hormone replacement therapy. And that's fine unless you've had an early menopause, because if you've had an early menopause, you're going to spend a lot of your lifetime lacking in those hormones. So really, if you're having an early or premature menopause, it's really important that you get those hormones back until you reach that age of about 51 when you would have been expected to have uh, menopause anyway. So that's kind of that's that's it sort of in a in a in a nutshell as as to why why we give it and they say the main reasons for giving it are really to reduce the symptoms that that you're having. So so tell us why it's had such a bad rap in the last kind of 10 years or so. Why 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 do yeah. people not take it? Well, when I when I think of my own GP career, I'm not practicing as a GP now, but I remember when I first started out as a as a, as a GP it was, let's give everybody HRT. And every woman came in and we gave them all HRT. Mm. And then there were some big studies. The one I remember most importantly was the Million Women Study, which looked at the risk of HRT and breast cancer and went, ah, crisis, there's an increased risk of breast cancer. Quick, take everybody off it. And we took everybody off it. And that that was a really big sort of switch. But what's come out now is reevaluation of that study and other studies as well to show actually that there is minimal risk, particularly for women who would be having those hormones in their bloodstream anyway. And the risk of HRT and breast cancer is much, much, much less than we ever thought it was. In fact, and I was looking at the British Menopause Society information and the nice guidelines recently and they're saying that actually hrt doesn't actually affect your risk of dying from breast cancer and potentially that actually it may promote growth of breast cancer in some women who had it anyway when it was already present rather than necessarily uh, causing a breast cancer in in women who never had who never had it before and we're again there's still a lot we don't know but we do know that for the majority of women it is perfectly safe to use again it comes down to being an individual assessment looking at your family history looking at your individual risk factors you know risk of breast cancer in your family etc cetera, etc cetera, to, to make an individual choice but giving hrt to the majority of women we don't need to be worrying about about breast cancer risk 
So in, in terms of like, in terms of the symptoms that HRT can help with, mm-hmm. um, I've been, I've been really surprised about this recently from speaking to friends actually. Um, what, what sort of things might it alleviate or help with? Well, the, say if you had to write a list of the number of symptoms that women have, you know, it, I think we're about over 50. Somebody would probably even say a hundred, you know, it can basically affect every system in your, in your body. Certainly, most definitely those vasomotor symptoms that we mentioned. So the flushes and the sweats, that's really, that's a really significant thing that can improve. But also some of the other symptoms that women can experience are things like anxiety really feeling anxious on edge. I myself have had kind of anxiety and palpitations with with, with perimenopausal symptoms um, and even depression and low mood as well. So although sometimes we think of it very much as being more to do with your womb and your ovaries and your uterus, actually a lot of it is to do with your brain and, and how you actually feel in yourself. Levels of fatigue, your energy levels can plummet and be really, really low when you're in the perimenopause. And um, sometimes as well as a runner, lots of body aches and pains. A lot of women find running difficult because their body sort of hurts so much and their joints feel stiff. And so sometimes it can help with those symptoms as well. It, it, it can basically, you don't really know what's going to improve for you unless you give it a try. And lots of symptoms that you might not even have thought about could improve with it. But most certainly those, those flushes and those sweats. And, and I mean, it's a bit of a cocktail, isn't it? Because of because it's those three hormones that you're talking about. Um, I was speaking to, I went for a run yesterday with a friend who is taking HRT, but she was saying that she's been kind of fine tuning it over the past sort of year. That she, I think she was she she started off with one with with sort of estrogen and something else, and then um, but then has been adding some testosterone in, which she's found pretty amazing within like two weeks or something um i know that's not going to be everyone's uh, experience but so are you able to do that are you able to sort of fine tune and and kind of produce your own margarita of hrt (laughs) (laughs) kind of yeah um the main hormones that you're going to get are estrogen and progesterone there are some occasions when you just use estrogen so if you're a woman who doesn't have a womb so you've had a hysterectomy previously or you're a couple of years beyond your menopause, so you are very postmenopausal, then you can have um, a, a preparation where you might just have estrogen, or you have a, a, a can have preparation where you don't have a regular bleed. We call that mm. continuous combined. But most commonly is that you have estrogen and progesterone because women who have a uterus still need that uterus to be protected, so they still need to have that monthly bleed, and the estrogen and progesterone together will do that. But again, it is very individual and the different preparations um, give you slightly different benefits and side effects. And you try one, you might need to try another one, you might need to increase the dose a little bit. So although it's a cocktail, it's not a cocktail of very many things because you've got Mm. the estrogen and progesterone. And then for some women, there's indication to use testosterone as well. So it's a kind of a yeah, a limited a limited ingredients in your cocktail, but certainly the, the quantities and how you give them as well. Because for some mm. women, I remember when we first started giving HRT, we just gave everyone tablets. But actually, mm. we really realized that that isn't necessarily the best way to do it. And there's huge benefits through giving HRT through the skin, what we call transdermal. 
Are there uh, patches? Be patches, yeah, but also gels and sprays, things that you can rub onto your skin too. So there's a lot more variety than, than we ever used to. And there are definitely some benefits in giving it transdermally for reducing some of the risks of HRT, such as deep vein thrombosis, which is another reason that, that women were often scared to use it before. But actually giving it in transdermally then we don't think there's any increased risk of of HRT with a gel or a, or a patch in terms of thrombosis. So I think being open-minded, because I think women do often go thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll get some tablets. But really, that isn't necessarily the best way to give it. And you know, do have a discussion with your, your doctor about that. Another way to give progesterone, which is something that um, I looking at myself is actually giving the progesterone through the uh, um, an IUS which is an intrauterine system or, or a coil as you might have heard them called and some of them such as the Mirena actually have progesterone in them and I've for example have been using a one of those for years for contraception uh, which is quite handy for me because it doesn't means I don't have any periods which is handy as a runner that's another way that you can deal with heavy periods if you're having mm. a lot of irregular very heavy bleeding is to have that inserted which gives you your progesterone and then and if and when you want to and you need to, you can top it up with a little bit of estrogen through the skin if your symptoms or through a tablet, if your symptoms are are beginning are becoming problematic. So that's my plan. I've got this progesterone IUS and when when and if I feel like I need something else, then I'll use a little bit of estrogen on top of that. So for the lady that was really struggling with the bleeding, that potentially might be um, an option. I suppose that's kind of what I've got at the moment though not to do with with perimenopause because yeah that I think mine's Kylina I always feel like they're called kind of girl band like like they're in a little girl band or something (laughs) I think mine's Kylina and and I think it might be similar where it's just slow release of progesterone I think yes and I I similarly don't really have periods or if I do they've just started again after a long time of being on the depot jab yeah. Um, which I think is a big, huge heaping dose of progesterone, <laughs> as far as I'm aware. Um, and that stopped them completely for years. And then, and then the, the coil now yes. is, has brought them back, but, but they're, they're quite like they're sort of a day or, or so of, of bleeding. Yeah. Some of the coils are licensed <laughs> to use as HRT, but mm-hmm. some of them aren't. Okay. So when the time comes that, it, you know, it may be things will have changed them, but it would be a good idea to, you know, to, to have that discussion and check that the one that you've got is actually licensed to use for HRT because yeah. some of them, some of them are with the doses and some, and some of them aren't. Mm. Um, and I suppose, you know, in my situation and other women may be in this situation too, if you're using a contraceptive that means you don't have periods, how do you know whether or not you've had your, your perimenopausal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have the periods anyway. And there isn't a necessarily an easy answer to that. Mm. You, I think, you know, there are so many other symptoms that you could get apart from ones that affect your bleeding. What you've got to be careful of is that you, that you've still got contraception, whether you're using hormone replacement therapy or you're using, because that's not a contraceptive traditional HRT. So we need to, again, that's another discussion to have with your doctor to make sure do you still need contraception as well as receiving hormone replacement? You, and I think this leads us on to blood tests because um, a lot of women assume they need a blood test to prove that they're in the perimenopause. Mm. And actually blood tests are, aren't, 
terribly helpful because when you do one, you just get a snapshot of what your hormones are doing at that moment in time. Yeah. And FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, that's the hormone which stimulates your ovaries to release an egg. And that's what we kind of look at when we're looking at the, the menopause and, and blood tests. And FSH can vary so much that it's really not helpful. And basically blood tests aren't done if you're over 45 and you're having symptoms, then you don't need a blood test to diagnose the perimenopause. If you need to prove it and you're younger, then yes, because we need to look at, you know, are you perimenopausal at a younger age? Are you having an early premature menopause? And it becomes important then. So blood tests are helpful, but they always have two of them, sort of four to six weeks apart to get a better sort of a clearer picture. So there may, in somebody who isn't having periods but needs to know about the menopause, there may be situations when blood tests would would be helpful. But for myself, in my situation, just totter along, really potter along, see how I get on if I start getting symptoms, maybe get some estrogen to, to top things up and have a chat with my GP about how best to, to manage it. But certainly I'm not expecting to, to get a blood test. See, that's that's really interesting because um, I you went... You had th- one, didn't you, recently? I did, I did have one, but actually I had one ages and ages ago. I had one um, probably about five or six years ago. Um, and it was because I, I went to the doctors presenting with a little list of symptoms, among them fatigue, um, anxiety, depression, um, low iron, um, heavy periods, all this sort of stuff. And uh, and so that doctor said, oh, we'll, we'll do we'll do your, your FSH and, and you know. Um, and so, so I did all these tests and came back and it was five years ago, so I was about 43 or something. Um, wasn't, as far as she was concerned, at that point, I wasn't tested twice, and I should have been tested twice. But 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 in that month, I wasn't um, perceived to be perimenopausal. Instead, she signed me off work because <laughs> she was like, "Right, okay, stress." You know, so it's kind of. I think that that can be one of the really horrible things about perimenopause is that all the symptoms can be other things as well. Like mm. you, like you could you could in isolation be suffering from having low iron or whatever and or, or you could in isolation obviously be suffering from anxiety or depression or um you know um and I think that can be confusing and and really tough for women to 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 then some sometimes kind of think oh wait, I I should bundle these things together and and perhaps you know it, it's difficult for us to self-diagnose essentially is what I'm sort of getting at um and i know that speaking to women particularly when we were in lockdown um there was a friend i, I ran into her in the park and we were both we both looked like shit we were both you know because it was lockdown so we were just like uh and we had paper skin and we clearly hadn't had enough vitamin d and you know we and we were both really really tired and i'd not seen her for about six months and anyway it turned out we'd both been we'd both that day gone onto amazon and bought ourselves iron tablets because we're like, right, it must be this. Mm. But what we didn't make, what we didn't really, I think it was about two weeks later, and I remember seeing her again, just randomly, and just going, actually, maybe it's not, not iron. Maybe we're just like really <laughs> depressed because it's a really horrible time. <laughs> no. um, and it's yeah, that I find that with the lack of information about perimenopause, um, that that can be very tricky to navigate. I think for women. Kind I think of- it's a it's really hard. It's just a huge big jumble of symptoms. Yeah. And often those symptoms include 
mental health symptoms. So you maybe don't feel that your, your judgment is good or that you're just react, overreacting to things or, and, and so I, yeah, it is a, a huge big jumble. And I think that's hard for the doctor as well, you know, taking mm. my, going back to my, putting my old GP hat on because you've got to try and, and unpick all of those things. So in your situation, when you went, yeah, you were less than 45 and could, mm. great, that doctor, could this be perimenopause? Now you didn't have a high, an uh, NFSH that would indicate that you were perimenopausal, so um, that you know there wasn't really a need to, to do the, to do the second one necessarily to, to prove that. But you know that just shows that yeah, in those situations, sometimes it is trying to figure it out and being a detective and work out what's what. And mm. and a lot of times in those situations, I think now we're getting more of the feeling that it's okay to try a little bit of HRT because the, the risks are minimal and it might just be the thing that makes all the difference, particularly in terms of when you're thinking about mood as well, because very often we've been, you know, too keen to give antidepressants when actually we should have yeah. been maybe realizing, ah, okay, this is probably perimenopause. Let's, let's try some HRT as well. So it, it is, a, it is a big jumble and it's really difficult. And I suppose being in it myself makes me reminds me of that you know I had palpitations and of course with my my doctor hat on I'm thinking oh crisis is this myocarditis linked to covid is this you know whereas actually yeah. mm-hmm. if I just t- cut down on the, some alcohol and took out some caffeine and did some stress relief and accepted that you know and then now it's gone away you know so mm-hmm. <laughs> lifestyle I think it's we we always we can sometimes jump to medications and things but I think we, we really mustn't forget lifestyle yeah. what what can we do simple things to try and make things as good as possible for ourselves yeah let's get into that but before we do I want to ask one more very personal question which is still about HRT which is when do we start taking it and when do we finish because because this is the thing I don't understand when you finish taking HRT does that mean that you suddenly turn into a granny that was my concern that you're all like plumped up with hormones (laughs) and you look you've got like some kind of like amazing stuff going through your blood system and I I thought the last day you take your last HRT and suddenly you're just like oh and everything drains out of your skin (laughs) now you're laughing but is that actually true (laughs) um no it's not. Oh, and good. and again, this is another area where there has been confusion and, and myths and, and a change in practice, really. We used to have a lot of fear because of worrying about the breast cancer risk previously, that the longer we left women on it, the, the more risk there was going to be. And there is to, to some certain extent, but again, that that's, that's, that's a very small increased risk. And really, the thought now is you can stay on it as long as you need it. So... And again, we used to say, oh, let's let's take people off gradually and used to taper down these doses and do it very, very slowly so that we didn't cause any any sudden menopausal symptoms and things. But actually, there isn't really any evidence where stopping it slowly or stopping it straight away doesn't seem to make any difference. So you basically take it for as long as as long as you want to. And, and then there comes a point when you want to try without it, you just try without it and, and you just see. But there are plenty of women who stay on it for decades uh, obviously, with an annual assessment with the doctor to make sure that your risks are still lower than your benefits and that you're going to is not going to be doing you any harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so you can start it whenever you need it, and you can stop it whenever you don't need it. Okay, all right. You do I need it? Do I do I need it? Should I take it? Yeah, no, that's what I'm worried. <laughs> I am worried about that. But, sh- but should should I be taking it just because I have night sweats? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think it depends. You you. 
if how things I have the odd night sweat and I'm having the odd the very occasional hot flush and a little bit of feeling on edge but I don't feel like I need anything else actually I'm fine with that I've got some lifestyle measures in place and I'm okay if those Mm -hmm. things start interfering with my life and I'm not sleeping and that's affecting my work or I can't stand up and give a, a speech or that I really think my anxiety is actually is you know this is not right then then uh, yeah definitely I, I I would would start it but you you don't have to you don't have to have it everybody everybody is different and it depends how you feel okay and how well much let's, interfering so so let's get into those um the lifestyle things what, what can we do sort of 45 onwards what can we be doing to kind of help manage our symptoms and help us run kind of happier and better um I mean, it really is going back to all the basics, really. I mean, sleep can be disrupted, but trying to do what you can to have as good a sleep as possible. And you probably don't need to go through all those sleep hygiene and keep your bedroom cool and all those all those kind of things. I think diet is really important because our bodies do change. And one of the symptoms that women complain of most around the perimenopause is weight gain. And mm. not just weight itself, but body composition increase in your fat content, uh, particularly fat that sits around the middle of your body, around your waist. Whereas previously, it might have gone on to your hips, it seems to go more around the center of your body. And that can feel horrible as a runner, um, or for any woman, you just feel like your body's changing. And despite running and maybe even running more, you still feel like those changes are happening. And one of the reasons is because our metabolism does change when we get to the perimenopause. In a way, our body becomes a little bit more sensitive, if that's the right word, to carbohydrates. So actually making sure that we've got a really good diet where we're not overdoing it on on carbohydrate, particularly sort of processed and sticking with more starchy carbohydrates. Um, and natural foods and also making sure that we're getting plenty of protein so it's a really good time to sort of look at our diet and make it sure just the normal things plenty of fresh fruit plenty of vegetables making sure we're hydrated not overdoing it on on the carbohydrates but it, 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 it often we don't realize we've sort of slipped into bad habits particularly maybe through the last couple of years so it's an opportunity really to just have a really good look at, at your diet and do what you can and the protein is important because another thing that happens is that we start to lose a bit of muscle mass and you might have heard me talk about this before sarcopenia Mm. our body naturally loses a little bit of muscle after about the age of 30 35 every day but that loss speeds up around the time of the menopause around the perimenopause so if we're starting to lose a little bit of muscle mass then that's that slows down our metabolism because muscles boost our metabolism. So we want to do what we can to make sure we maintain our muscle mass. So eating plenty of protein will help with that if we're looking at diet, but then alongside our running, looking at doing some strength work because running does help muscles to some extent, but we can really get some extra benefits by building our muscle mass by increasing the amount of strength work we're doing or even doing some strength work because I know most most of us runners are, are pretty bad at that. Mm-hmm. So those kind of lifestyle things, don't just assume that running more will will sort out the problem, particularly if you're finding it hard to maintain your weight. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's something that we push so much um, in the brand, isn't it? To, you know, try, make sure uh, that we're all doing our strength training and our cross training as well as the running. Um, mm. And obviously running and and running a lot has its place because that has the mental health benefit 
as well as the physical health benefit. Um, but it's interesting to know that we sh- we really should be sort of concentrating on those sort of strength areas, particularly. Um, I was I th- the one thing I wanted to sort of basically finish on really was um, something that I found. I had a night. It was a nice, a nice, happy um, uh, surprise from speaking to a woman at uh, where was that? I think that was a national running show in January, um, and she was saying. Um, don't think that when when you go into menopause that you're going to be running worse because you know alongside all this other stuff is you sort of think well it's just from the age of 40 everything is just going to get more shit like you know you've got not only do you have menopause to look forward to but you've also got a running career that is just going to get progressively worse and she <laughs> and she pointed out that because we're not elite athletes, as much as I like to think of myself as an elite athlete, because we're not elite athletes, and that many of us started running when we were in our thirties and forties, um, that actually we can look forward to getting better and better for 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 a bit, you know, until I turn into that witch with a broomstick. Um, so. <laughs> I, I guess well, she should love herself. The witch with the broomstick should love herself. Yeah, I she should, should. Put in there. She should. And she she can probably cast some spells. So you know, yay yeah. for her, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> without any fear of dunking, because I think that's illegal now. Um, and so, I guess I wanted to kind of finish with talking about like what's so good about it. What's good? What's what's going to be great for us? Because I really need something to look forward to here. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really important because, as I said at the beginning, it's often painted as doom and gloom and, and, and awful. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. I think we have to acknowledge that some women have a torrid time in the perimenopause. And, you know, despite trying different things, they they do really, really struggle. And I think we need to really acknowledge that. Mm. But at the same time, your relationship with running can still be a good one. It may be, and one thing that often happens to women in the perimenopause, possibly related to falling testosterone levels, is they lose their competitive streak and they perhaps lose some of their drive. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have a good relationship with running. Some Maybe your relationship with running just changes a little bit and you enjoy it for different reasons that you're not so maybe focused on time and performance, etc., but you enjoy it for, for all the other benefits that running gives you. I have a few really good role models in in my local running club of of slightly slightly older women they're not they're not terribly old but who are postmenopausal and they are they are rocking it they are running further they're doing one's doing a marathon you know they've never done these things before and they they're totally enjoying it and that you know That's so awesome. I think we we do need to just like you say, keep some positivity. And mm. if you are someone that has struggled with periods all your life, then I guess there's the benefit of potentially not having not having periods. But you can just have a, a, a different attitude to, to running, I think, and embrace it. And there's nothing to say that your performance can't improve, especially like you say, if you came into running later, that you can still you can still get better. You can though. It's true. It's true. You mm. can like I'm constantly better than my really rubbish 32 year old self and like that it's so it's so lovely to 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 know that and to have that not that she was she wasn't awful 
that one back there, but you know, I'm better than her. So, <laughs> um, and it's just, kind of, and I just sort of think that's, that's, you know, cause I'm staring 50 in the face now. And it's like, that's, that's a really nice feeling to think that, you know, kind of almost 20 years on, that yeah, I can do, I can do better than her and maybe be a bit happier about it while I'm doing it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was 50, what, two weeks ago, almost exactly. And I feel really positive. I, I honestly do. Happy I think my husband was like, oh, do you, he, you know, do you not feel a bit, he, he didn't enjoy turning 50 at all. And I was like, bring it on <laughs> you know, I'm like halfway I'm halfway through my life oh you know I've achieved quite a lot and I have a lot of plans so yeah, uh, yeah I, I think we, we mustn't think of ourselves as old women the minute we get perimenopausal it's certainly not the beginning of the end it's a new phase and it can be quite liberating I think as well so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wiser and we can appreciate things more and we've just got a yeah good outlook and, and we can wear purple and elasticated this. waists and uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I fully intend to wear purple and elasticated waist immediately. <laughs> I'm not waiting till I'm 50 for that. Oh, no, me either. <laughs> I think, you know, it was the moment that I banned the underwire bra like two years ago. It was just like, oh, yeah, this is a new, very, very important life stage. <laughs> yeah, crazy. COVID has really been helpful for that. I haven't really gone back to, it's either a sports bra or a floppy bra. Floppy bra. Two options. They're yeah, the best. There's, there's one underwired one that's right at the bottom of the drawer that sometimes oh. comes out if it must. But I have right. loved what COVID's done for for the bra game. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Women's running and Earth runs have joined together to help make a massive impact on our environment. Sunday the 5th of June is Global Environment Day, a day where if you simply sign up through Earth Runs for a one-hour challenge to run, walk, cycle or roll for 60 minutes, then for every minute you are moving forward, a tree will be planted for you. Find out more at earthruns.com forward slash tree hour and join us to plant as many trees as we can and make a huge difference. Every run and every minute counts. Uh, right, back Welcome in the room. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Um, yeah, so we um, we've got some bits and pieces to talk about now because I was going to bore everyone's senses with a bit more running chat, um, but we've also oh, this is a running podcast. I shouldn't be boring people senseless with running. No, chat, no, yeah, it's because oh. we oh. met some. I don't think we've actually spoken on the podcast, but we're going to do a proper podcast about it. We met some gorgeous people at the National Running Show, and a lot of what they said to us was that it they love the, when we chat shit. Yeah. And now I do think I have got a little bit, I've gone almost the opposite way where I keep going, oh, not too much running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we do also love running, and that's what but- we all have in common. So uh, please know, I, continue. So, so like I think um we are eventually we will kind of like evolve into a podcast that doesn't talk about running or even women because you know we, no. we instead spend our time talking about Sam Ryder. So I guess we could just call ourselves podcast. Do you I think know. that'll work? Kind the of, podcast. The- <laughs> 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 oh um, my god yeah uh sam rider anyway um 
yeah, right. So that's what I was talking <laughs> about. So running, right. So I did this run at the weekend, did that, did that trail thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I did love it, but it was exhausting. It was more exhausting than when I did 26 miles, 26.8 miles mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks back. Um, but that's because I was going faster. Yeah. And I'd had a couple of glasses of wine the night before, which is not ideal um it, you know <clears throat> swings and roundabouts swings and roundabouts yeah so it was <laughs> I found it really quite hard going mm-hmm. um but I I was kind of determined to to do that sort of thing and to do a bit more training and stuff because I'd realized how how much more I preferred it and like the night before when I was trying to think of my route I was thinking oh I could just do I could just do my normal kind of circuit of bath um and the more I sort of thought about it, the more I just thought, oh, that's so depressing, just to mm. kind of plod the pavements. See, now you've got a taste for the trails. I've got a taste for the trails. You've got just a taste a, for the trails, bit, haven't you? A bit, but in a really pathetic kind of way. Like, I love it when I'm out there, but at the same time, I'm like, ooh, mud, or ooh, slippy bit, or ooh, climby uppy bit. And so, uh, you know, this like. is you on your, you've only done a handful of trail runs at this point. Whereas, uh, you know, in a, in a year or so's time, Esther, you're going to be, you're <gasps> going to sort of come home like, uh, sort of covered in mud. Yeah. Sort of yeah. top to bottom, just dripping in, in mud. And, you know, we're all going to, you're, you're just going to be a sort of woman who's one with the elements. I yeah, think that's me. Yeah. Fell running or something. Yeah. You'll have sort yeah. of things sprouting out of your, yeah, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. I think I'm just going to be doing circuits of bath with the odd field thrown in, which yeah, I think is on. fine. That's also fine. my aim as well. And yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't have my, my sights are not set higher than that. <laughs> but what it has made me think is I've got to start thinking about training. I've got to think about proper training because I've got London Marathon coming up in October and I've got two half marathons either side of it. So I've got the Great North in September and then Bath at the end of October. Um, and I still I'm undecided about whether I will do Bath until like the day after the London Marathon. I think I'll figure that one out then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm uh, I am more and more nervous about London Marathon. Yeah. Um, but I just need to start. Well, I think in June I need to start kind of properly, really considering my training and starting to do yeah. kind of all the kind of that boring technical stuff, which I hate doing in the middle of the weeks and things like that. Um, cause at the moment I really, really enjoy my running. I'm enjoying doing these kind of discovery runs oh, at good. the end and my lovely ploddy bits, listening to my audio books during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did make me think I was, I was sort of considering I've been, I have been looking up ultras and things, um, which I don't think I'll sign up to until next year. Um, but I did, I've almost signed up to it and I haven't decided whether or not to, there's a half marathon in two weeks time Ooh. in Bath, um, but it's around a racetrack. Oh, so, I know it's the odd Ooh, I've never heard of, of such um, a thing. Yeah. So, um, it, so you run around odd down, it's for charity. Uh, it's for a very local charity and it's running around this racetrack. You have to run around it, I think 14 times for it to be and that's a half marathon and that's a half marathon that's actually is it just like a 400 meter <laughs> athletics track thing uh it's more of an l shape it's not an athletics track um oh. so it's up in odd down it's one where we take the kids to do junior park run um i was gonna say i was like 14 of those seems actually like it'd be okay but but no i don't know so i i don't know with my newfound love of nature and the trees and that do I really want mm. to be doing that 
do I really want to be running 14 times around a track? Or I think it it would be mentally very grueling. I think if you're going to think of it as part of training, then maybe you go for it and it's a really tough session. Then you have a huge, lovely roast and pat yourself on the back afterwards or something. But I would think that that probably wouldn't be the most joyous of runs. I don't think it will be, will I? No, I think it will be mentally quite horrid. Doing think about when you do the when you run a race where you have to do a loop twice or whatever. Yeah. How much when you're doing that second loop, you're like, oh my lord! And even when oh, you're yeah. doing the first loop, where you're like, I've got to do this all over again. I'm going to see this again. bank again. Yeah. In a minute. Well, I was <laughs> and thinking how about, miserable that is. I know. And I, I was thinking about like you know runners I've spoken to that have done like hundred mile races or 24 hour races just on a 400 meter racetrack. Yeah. Like just going round and round and round and round and round and then changing directions halfway through. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Or like in the old days of lockdown before we really knew what COVID was and whether we were safe to kind of run around all over the shop. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who did her 5k, you know, the nomination thing that was going on round, yeah. just around her little garden, around back garden, round, around, around, around. I think Anna Harding did a marathon in her back garden. Oh my life. I know. Just, I yeah. think you, I mean, you're made of very strong stuff and that you'll have, you'll smash it. I don't mm. think you're, you'd have any particular problem with the distance and with the course and stuff. I just wonder if mentally you might be like, that was, I'm not slagging off this race either. Like, you know, I'm sure it'll be a very speedy half that will be, will be great for some people, but uh, you know what? I'm being extremely negative today. (laughs) I'm so sorry. You do it if you want to do it. Do I, do I, I'll make a decision after this. Okay. Um, I, my vote on the running podcast that we do together, it's all about encouraging people to run is sack it off. Oh, but that's not, that's probably, not, I'll be the devil on your shoulder. You can go and um, find, yes, Anna or someone who can be a, or Simon. Our yeah. boss Simon will definitely yeah. be an angel on your shoulder there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh God, I'll, I'll give it some thought. I'll give it some thought. Okay. But look, we've got, we've got just <laughs> enough time to, uh, to read out um, one of our most favorite letters ever. Yeah. I say letter as if people are writing. Um, I love that you say letters. I, I say it back, awful, back now. Isn't it? This, oh. this is a section I consider to be letters. Letters. Yeah. yeah. Letters. Reader's corner. Yeah. Um, your voice. Um, <laughs> no, we had an email. We had an actual email. We've had an but email. It, but it's brilliant. It's absolutely It's so brilliant. good. And it's embarrassing uh, moments, isn't it? Yeah. And I almost think, should we give no context to what? No context. No, we're just going to tell you. This is just an embarrassing you. moment. We still want your embarrassing moments. Here's, we're loving them. This is one that Holly's going to read out. And uh, it's probably in a class of its own. Um, but if you can match any of this, then, then do please. Okay, this is Elizabeth's and it is a joy. So, <laughs> okay. So I thought I'd share my embarrassing moment. And whilst it didn't happen while I was out for a run, it did happen directly as a result of me becoming a runner during 2021. Hopefully it will give you a laugh and give your listeners a laugh too, if you choose to share it with them. We do. We have. have. (laughs) So to set the scene, I only really began running at the start of 2021. I'm a big girl, so not the fastest runner, but I've loved how my mindset has changed during the year from those first tentative couch to 5k runs to my first 10k in Aviemore might be pronouncing Abby that wrong. Moore. Apologies. Abby Abby Moore. Moore. Apologies. In <laughs> September. I feel stronger and I proudly call myself a runner. 
I feel like I can do almost anything. I even did my first half marathon in Inverness in March. This was after recovering from the incident that I'm about to describe. My story happened on the 19th of December, 2021. I had been running a 3K in a day, sorry, a 3K a day in December as part of a do it every day challenge with the boot camps that I attend in Aberdeen. Massive shout out to the excellent Rebel PT who have encouraged me on my running and fitness journey. Love that. On the morning of the 19th, I went and did my run early as we were having a family Christmas lunch that that day due to not everybody being able to be together on Christmas Day. After a few days of the 3K, feeling really hard and me feeling very tired, this Sunday morning was different. I felt strong and felt like I actually would be able to continue this for the whole of December. So I had a massive runner's high and was still buzzing when I joined the family for lunch at a local hotel. There were 19 of us in total, including four that were, that were five and under. So we had a private room, thankfully. You'll understand why I'm thankful for that shortly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. After a lovely lunch, we played some party games, passed the parcel, etc. with the wee ones. And then my eldest great niece requested that we play Duck, Duck, Goose. If you're not familiar with the game, it's generally played by children. And they all sit in a circle with one child walking around the circle, tapping each person on the head and saying duck until they eventually say goose. At which point, and I'm going to interject here, for reasons unbeknownst to me, they run around the circle with the goose chasing them and try to get back to their space before they are caught. If anyone can let us know the context of why Duck Duck Goose is the way you that it is, don't please let context. us know. It's a kid's nah. game. So here we are, 15 adults and four children sitting around a lovely big dining table as my great niece walks around tapping us all. Duck, duck, duck. She eventually chooses her papa, who has the sense not to catch her. So now it's his turn to walk around the table and select his goose. (laughs) (laughs) He chose me, and despite my best efforts, I didn't catch him. So now I had to choose a goose. Now, I really should have chosen one of the wee ones. But instead, I chose my 32-year-old niece. After (laughs) slapping her on the head, yelling, goose, I took off like the proverbial bat out of hell. In my head, I'm thinking... I'm a runner. I can run fast if I can beat my niece back to her seat. It was all going wonderfully. I was way ahead and looked set to make it to my seat when, horror of horrors, my four-year-old great-niece who had just returned from the toilet with her dad appeared in front of me. I knew I was going too fast to stop, so instead tried to sweep her up in my arms with a plan to land back in my seat with her on my knee. What a move. What a move. (laughs) That's what it looked like in my head. In reality, as soon as I went to pick her up, I realized I had tripped and was going to fall. I managed oh. to get her out of the way as I careered towards the ground and landed flat on my face. Oh, I no. heard a crunch as I went down. Oh. My glasses landed a couple of feet away and I lay face down on the ground, convinced I'd broken my nose. Oh, no. My sister must have vaulted across the table to get to me, <laughs> convinced that I'd knocked myself out. As I lay dazed on the ground, I asked her if my nose was bleeding. And when she said it wasn't, I tentatively tried to sit up. This revealed a massive scrape on the bridge of my nose. But as I moved, I realized I had a bigger problem than my nose. My left hand, thankfully I'm right-handed, was agony. At first, I thought it was just a staved finger and I sat on the ground holding a napkin full of ice from the ice bucket. What's a staved finger? What's a staved finger? I don't know. Does she mean sprained? Is it a spelling mistake? No, look, she's go, she goes she on to then say, on my hand, while my, on the other, on my hand, while my sister yeah. held a similar package against my nose, it quickly became apparent it was more serious than a stave. Maybe this is a Scottish thing. Do you think? I'm looking it up. You carry on talking okay, and I'll come okay. back. And a call to A&E resulted in me being given an appointment a couple of hours later to get it checked out. 
I was absolutely convinced that all they would do at A&E was strap my fingers together and tell me to be more careful next time. But after an x-ray revealed a broken pinky, which then immobilized and elevated with a massive splint and sling... And told me to come back the next day fast. Next day fasted as they might have to put pins in it. Oh my god! The staff at A and E were wonderful. It is. It's Scottish. It's Scottish. It's Scottish. I yeah. love that. And it means sprain. It means sprain. Okay, a, a Scottish sprain. A Scottish and I was a, a Steve. That's probably not very good. I apologise. <laughs> I was in and out with an. Uh, I was in and out. Okay, so the A and E people were lovely. I was in and out in about an hour, but not before I'd been forced to tell three different people how I had broken my pinky playing duck duck goose. <laughs> the last thing the nurse said to me before I went home was, "I think that's the first duck duck goose injury we've had in adult emergen- emergency." <laughs> <laughs> and then you think I probably balls that up by by stuttering because that was an excellent line from the nurse. <laughs> Thankfully, I didn't need pins, but I was in the splint for eight weeks, including attending a friend's wedding. Yes, oh. I had paid for the guess how I'd broken my pinky. Oh no! And running the Falkirk Epic 10K Trail race, the splint and sling made it look far more dramatic than a broken pinky. But you wouldn't believe the inconvenience one wee broken bone can cause. <sighs> I couldn't drive for twelve weeks, and worse, I couldn't go to my boot camps on former Pilates or reformer pilates classes uh, oh no to this day my pinky and my finger next to it are still swollen to the extent oh. i can't get my wedding ring on oh no oh my god i didn't read that bit the moral of the story i'm nearly done but i just love the way she's written all of it that i wanted to read the whole thing the moral of the story you might be a runner but 48 year old women really shouldn't play a game meant for five-year-olds no matter how much they run <laughs> love it so much i think my favorite moment is i think that's the first duck duck goose injury we've had an adult emergency <laughs> i love that story <laughs> oh i'm so sorry elizabeth that you still are suffering oh. from your chronic uh, injury yeah. of yeah. From playing duck duck goose but that duck, duck goose really injuries. did i hope it's of some consolation that that has given us a huge giggle yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. I love it. I broke my finger, but not while playing Duck Duck Goose, but by, um, by, by, really? yeah, by, by, I know. You, not all finger injuries are as a result of Duck Duck Goose, but mine was from dropping Felix. Oh no. Of, but she was fine. Uh, okay. but yeah, look, look, look at my finger. Can you see? Can you see that one kind of, looks around corners basically oh yeah <laughs> I, I they never splinted it or pinned it or anything so no did you did you go to any uh yeah but too late oh, uh, yeah that's i think that's yeah. kind of my foot you know the foot classic foot injury that meant no in half oh, may yeah. still be causing me a little pain sometimes not oh, no. usually not when i run it it doesn't seem to make a difference the amount of impact i put on it it just seems to be time so if i've had oh. like, a long day of walking around on it or I've been for a run and then I've walked into town or something yeah 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 so I feel oh, you God. on the leaving it a bit late and then having yeah. a forever injury oh dear but Elizabeth, <laughs> but Elizabeth went yeah she went straight to A&E yeah I do yeah. feel her pain I did feel similarly when I had to explain to the third because I also when I went in to A&E the other day I went to the reception <laughs> thinking it was the A&E reception and she was like no 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 you've gone the wrong way so I had to explain to her <laughs> And she went, a seagull? And then I had to go to A&E and they all went, a seagull? And then finally I had to go to the triage nurse. He was like, well, I have, I've, I've been trained in what to do with dog and cat bites, but I'm really unsure about a seagull. So I do feel her. Oh God, having to go to A&E with embarrassing injuries. That's I not know. fun, is it? 
Maybe that's the next question. It's nothing oh. to do with running, but what what embarrassing things have you had I've, to go to any for? Because uh, we'll, we'll keep them anonymous if we people do want to send them. I, I don't think I'm trying to think if I ever have, and I don't think I have. But I do remember a friend from college um, presenting at a and with a deodorant cap inserted. Um, <gasps> How? <laughs> How? <laughs> Slipped and fell, was it? Slipped I don't think so. Slipped and fell. Slipped yeah. and fell, the classic. Yeah. yeah. Slipped and, I, and fell. And who was it? It must be another friend. I, th- I think the thing that has entered into like folklore amongst me and my friends is someone who I now can't remember where an excuse at a was I fell on a fruit bowl. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we see through you. We see through you. <laughs> No one slips and falls on a fruit bowl. Oh my goodness. Hilarious. Or if we have any lovely A&E workers who would love to let us know the juiciest thing anybody's ever slipped and fallen on, then please let us know. God, it's getting filthy, this podcast now, isn't it? It is getting the filthy, podcast. isn't it? <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to rename it after this. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Do please email us at wrpodcast at anthem.co.uk with any questions or running stories, as we'd love to include them in a future podcast. This podcast was recorded over Zencaster. The editor and composer was David Newman. Please hit like and subscribe. That way you won't miss the next episode. For just £2 a month, you can become one of our first supporters on Patreon. For the price of a coffee, you'll have our undying adoration and a couple of exclusive perks too. Go to patreon.com forward slash women's running and join our gang. Happy running.